Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, slap my ass and call me Sally. This show is going to suck again. No, really, slap it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Ooh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, uh, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and way pre-recorded. Yeah, because by the time you get this, well... Uh, the move should be afoot, and the truck should have unloaded in uh, Florida. So, there you go. Uh, on this week's show, uh, in uh, Pipe Parts, going to continue back on the Pipes 101, the shapes. This time we're talking about the Bulldog versus the Rhodesian and all the other variants, etc., etc. Uh, my guest is uh, Truett Smith, who is the pipe buyer at SmokingPipes.com. So I get to sit down with him and uh, find out how you get the best job on earth possible. (laughs) And then uh, music by request, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And again, since we're pre-recorded, please keep those comments and suggestions and letters coming. I will be, uh, yeah, actually I'm completely caught up after this show of uh, mailbag stuff, so... Please keep those coming. While you're at it, iTunes rating and reviews, much, much, much appreciated. Uh, If you are a YouTuber or podcaster and you want to have me on your show, reach out to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. As we've got the uh, 2024 Las Vegas International Pipe Show uh, most of it's planned and all the bookings or most of the bookings are available right now on the website, vegaspipeshow.com. Uh, be happy to come on your show and talk pipe shows, uh, pipe stuff, whatever you want to, whatever you want to chat about. And, uh, don't forget also, uh, although it looks like the next event you'll see me at is in April at the Chicago pipe show. So make sure you got your bookings in for that as well. All right. Let's get the show rolling, so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. 
And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, back to uh, pipe, uh, Pipes 101 and back to the basics of shapes. And here is one that has uh, always caused a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of discussion or sometimes heated argument, and it's the Bulldog versus the Rhodesian. So the Bulldog is a, uh, if you look at the front of it, it's a diamond-shaped pipe. So it's gets wider in the middle and then narrows down. And the Bulldog usually has two little uh, routed uh, trim rings around it, you know, little uh, little decorative rings on the widest point. The other thing that the Bulldog has to have to be a traditional Bulldog is a diamond shank. So the shank is diamondized, you know, diamond shank. Uh, you know, for it's a square rotated 45 degrees. And that is what is a classical bulldog. Uh, the other part of it is you'll see on a bent bulldog is the top of the bend of the stem reaches the top of the bowl. So it's a so it's almost a straight pipe at that point. But that's your classic bulldog. Uh, any variation off of that is going to be considered a Rhodesian. So a round shank, an oval shank, uh, a bulldog that isn't a perfect diamond shape is going to be considered classically a Rhodesian because it doesn't have the perfect diamond shaped bowl and the perfect diamond shaped shank. And then a bulldog will also have a, uh, will have a saddle bit that is also diamond shank, you know, diamond shaped. And then it saddles down. Rhodesians can have any kind of variation of shape of stem with them. Uh, you can get a straight bulldog and that would be a straight diamond shank and a straight saddle bit. And you can get a straight Rhodesian. Um, now, also a variation on these shapes, you might hear people refer to a squat bulldog, and that's where the bowl is uh, not a perfect diamond shank. It's a little squattier or lower, or it might even get so low that it would be considered a, a well, you'll, you'll hear things like a cobra or Eskimo. Usually when you have a cobra or an Eskimo, that means that the shank has some wideness to it and narrows as it gets closer to the stem. So it looks like the head of a cobra. Or in the case of an Eskimo, it looks like a uh, an igloo, not the actual Eskimo themselves. Um, but all these variations all come purely off of the bulldog. Uh, the problem that you know, bulldogs aren't, in, in my opinion, and I'm the leading expert on my own opinion, I have a couple of bulldogs. Bulldogs are not the most comfortable pipes to hold in your hand because they can, you know, the, it's a sharp-shaped pipe. And sometimes you can get a really, uh, if the pipe maker makes it really sharp, you can get some real sharp edges out on the end of the bowl, uh, you know, out on that extremity. Um it is uh, it's actually a very good design for smoking especially a bent bulldog because when you're lighting up the pipe at the top you've got thinner walls and you're not getting as hot as possible you know cuz you you haven't had the pipe going for a while but then as you go down the bowl further and further you do get more bowl wall and more girth and you know more um, security or definition uh, of the bowl so you get you know so it's got more to absorb the heat and then because of the way the diamond comes off of the bottom of the bowl and comes out to the shank, you've always got a good amount of meat on the heel of the bowl. But you do have to be careful, just like I've talked about in the past with the Dublin. Uh, you do have to be careful with those sidewalls down at the bottom of the bowl. So I know a lot of guys that 
Yeah, a lot of collectors of bulldogs will say that they smoke the bottom portion of the bowl a little more carefully than they do the top or the middle. Yeah, and this is why the uh, the the billiard is perfect because it's you know same same density all the way down and it's got meat all the way around it. Uh, but when you get into some of these bulldogs and Rhodesians, you start getting a little thinness on the side of the pipe at the bottom of the bowl, but not on the heel. Um, you do have to be careful if you got if you got some of these really stylized squat bulldogs and squat uh, or, uh, or cobras and stuff like that. You know, you got to be really careful there. Um, size of the pipe doesn't matter. You can have uh, I've seen very small bulldogs and Rhodesians and very big ones. It's just proportionally different as it goes out. Uh, every time I think of a bulldog, if you look at what uh, uh, look at what Dunhill and Barling were doing in the 40s and 50s, I think that's kind of the quintessential or classical bulldog design. Uh, I think some of the uh, you know as pipe makers, especially now with the artisan pipe makers, you may get some more uh, little artistic flares to it. Uh, and you may get some very, you know, you may get some odd variations too. So, so, but the, the classical bulldog is again, it's a diamond shanked bowl, uh, a diamond shaped bowl, diamond shank and a saddle bit and the saddle bit will have diamond on it and then it'll come to the flat and everything else, everything else that looks like that. Well, guess what? That's going to be a Rhodesian. It's going to be classically considered a Rhodesian. So there you go. Uh, the Bulldog versus the Rhodesian. Comments, questions, email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com. And uh, in just a moment, my conversation with Truett Smith. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a, uh, you know, uh, you're, all right, you're young, you've got a full head of hair, you're good looking, you've got probably some people's dream job right now, but a face and a name you may not know, but from smokingpipes.com, please welcome Truett Smith to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Truett, Welcome. Thanks, Brian. Super happy to be here. And yeah, uh, it's probably my own dream job, so I can understand why it would be <laughs> some other people's too. Yeah. All right. So first of all, let's talk about what is your official title at Smoking Pipes right now? And titles change there on a regular basis sometimes. Sure. But what do you What are you doing now? <laughs> 
now um, I am, the title is pipe manager. Mm. And basically what that means is I'm responsible for buying probably 80 to 90% of the pipes you see available on smoking pipes and um, of equal importance. It's also about managing relationships with the various brands that we work with as well as the individual artisans. Um, so it's a combination combination of purchasing, but also very heavy, just relational um, work with pipe makers and pipe brands. That's right, kids. About eighty percent of the pipes that you see go through go through Truett some way or the other. You don't get to touch each pipe and check each one <laughs> in, do you? No, and I actually should clarify about eighty to ninety percent of the brands because Brand. obviously Peterson. I mean the 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 number of pipes are so much more than than say a, a, a single artisan or something like right. that um but in terms of brands i'm handling 80 to 90 percent of the brands and no i do not get to get to touch every single pipe that would be our data entry specialists in merchandising they're touching just about every single pipe that comes through our doors yeah all right let's get to know you where'd you grow up what do you <laughs> want to be when you grew up have you grown up i mean you're not that old yet so uh, but, no, but, yeah. Just to set the record straight, I'm 30. I'll be I'll be 31 in April. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely on the younger on the younger side when it comes to pipe smoking. Uh, I started smoking pipe though when I was well right before I was 18. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've been smoking a pipe for a while, but um, I grew up in rural Indiana, about halfway between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis. For those Hoosiers out there, I'm from Upland. If you're not from Indiana, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, little pink houses. And, yeah, like that. Yeah, pretty much little yeah. pink houses. Um, and then I went to school just north of Boston for college. Um, moved back home. Then I moved to Spain for a year with a friend, just because why not? And then waited tables back in Indiana for two years before I got a job at Smoking Pipes as a copywriter in 2018. All right. What'd you go to school for that you coming from rural Indiana, you went to, you went to, you picked a school north of Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I knew I wanted to, my hometown's like 4,000 people. So pretty much all of growing up, I wanted to get out of town not because <laughs> not because i absolutely hated it but because it wasn't where i wanted to spend the rest of my life type of thing um i've also always enjoyed traveling was lucky enough to travel quite a bit when i was younger um and so i knew i wanted to be in a bigger city and also because of the travels that i had been able to do i really enjoyed other languages and other cultures so i studied linguistics in college because i wanted to yeah just be involved in around and work with other languages so i'll tell a little story yeah. uh, the fastest way to get hired at smoking pipes is in the especially on the writing side of the business is to have some esoteric major of interest like linguistics or <laughs> poetry or uh medieval art or uh yeah or brass yep. you know brass forging yeah fine yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah so the so 
So if, if I'm following this right, I mean, smoking pipes is like your first real job. Not that Correct. waiting tables isn't a real job, but at Dolly's Diner on the corner of Route whatever and nowhere else. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. The, I'll put it this way. Smoking Pipes was the first job with benefits that I had. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what turned you on to the pipe? I mean, you were you know, smoking a pipe before you might have been supposed to be. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it was... Let me think. So my dad's a college professor and he, <laughs> to say he smoked a pipe is being a little generous. He owned several pipes. <laughs> um, I think, I think we all can recognize that the pipes, pipes has something of a scholarly intellectual reputation. You know, we think of famous philosophers and famous writers that smoked a pipe. So Growing up, you know, I think a lot of us have this e equation with intellectuality and pipe smoking yeah. that we all know not to be true since you and I are both in the industry now and smoke pipes. It has nothing to do with, <laughs> with intellect. I, I was going uh, to say, I, moved, I, I skewed the average a lot lower. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. So and all that to say, my dad had pipes growing up and even as a young kid, you know, four, five, six years old. I, I would go into his office and smell the pipes off the rack because he smoked aromatic blends when he okay. did smoke. And so the pipes smelled like Captain Black. Um, and so, yeah, seeing seeing those pipes on his rack, even though I had never uh, seen him smoke a pipe, it had me interested at a young age. And so in high school, I kind of would always, you know, rib him a little bit be like hey you should give me one of your pipes like it could be an heirloom that we could pass down generation to generation in the family <laughs> and that's what happened is you know around my 18th birthday he gave me one of his pipes none of his pipes were anything special this one was just some basket pipe that, that he had picked up somewhere and yeah from there it just kind of became my thing um i didn't i didn't have a group of friends that smoked a pipe i didn't this was before, at least before I knew anything about online forums or anything yeah. like that. So smoking a pipe was just this personal private thing I liked to do at night on our porch. And that was basically it all through college even. And it wasn't until after college that I discovered smoking pipes, became a customer there and also discovered like forums and realized that Captain Black wasn't the only pipe tobacco in the world <laughs> and and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, really after college, my, my pipe smoking journey really, really accelerated. I, I would imagine being in rural Indiana and interested in languages and wanting to travel, you didn't have a lot of friends anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had uh, about two or three other friends and we were all in similar boats kind of thing. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's not much, there's not much going on. I'll put it that way. <laughs> all right. Uh, real, real quickly, while you were in Boston, did you, did you get a chance to go to any of the tobacco shops there? <laughs> you just completely blew that off. Didn't you? I completely missed that because again, I, I, and in my mind, pipe smoking was you had a pipe and you had some aromatic tobacco that you picked up at a drugstore. And I was fine with that, but I 
I honestly just thought that that's all there was. And I didn't have anyone else to tell me different. And I didn't know where to look. And I didn't look because I didn't. It was one of those unknown, unknown things. And yeah, I'm looking back like LJ Peretti and, and stuff like that. I'm like, geez, I was right there. And I could have yeah. you know, spent my spent every weekend going down there. So um, definitely uh, kicking myself for that. But at the same time, I was just completely ignorant. And the next thing you're going to tell me is your year in Spain. You didn't even bring a pipe with you. Uh, I did. Oh. I did. And I did buy a pipe there as well. But um, pipe smoking is not big in Spain. No. Um, not, not really. Like even the, the tobacconists there had basket pipes and right. some over-the-counter type of blend stuff, but nothing, nothing that was very nice or, or well known. So I, I did buy a basket pipe while I was there as well. But again, it was brandless. It, a, it, it is much, it's much more of a cigar, uh, a premium cigar culture and cigarette culture. Yeah. Than, yeah. Definitely like roll your owns yeah. were, was very popular. A lot of my friends just did roll your own stuff and yeah, maybe the occasional cigar. Um, but no, definitely didn't see any pipes. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll find out about we'll find out about getting hired at smoking pipes and actually getting benefits. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents to expanding their catalog each year with new, innovative series. Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with the pipe manager of uh, SmokingPipes.com, Truett Smith, who didn't go to any pipe shops in Boston while he was going to school near there. Shame, shame, shame. I'll get over that eventually. Um, all right, so, you, so so in 2018, you decide you're gonna you're you're gonna apply for a job and move to South Carolina. That's pretty, yeah, that's exactly right. I was, like I said, waiting tables at the time. And this was right when, this is right when iPads had started becoming a thing in the restaurant industry where you were taking orders on an iPad. Yeah. So the restaurant I, I, the restaurant I was at, we had just gotten iPads for all the servers. So when it wasn't busy, I would spend my days scrolling smoking pipes, <laughs> you know, read, reading about pipe makers, reading the pipe descriptions, you know, wishing I could buy certain pipes, adding stuff to my wish list, you know, just kind of daydreaming. And I finally noticed the work for us tab at the bottom. And I clicked on that and I saw the copywriter position. And yeah, again, I didn't, linguistics relates to language, but I, I didn't go to school for writing or anything like that. But, you know, I was in the liberal arts. So most of my college career was spent writing. So I was like, you know what? i I think I'm decent enough to, you know, give this a shot, you know, be a competitive applicant. And I just applied, went through the interview process. 
Um, and then I got hired. They, they gave me a call, offered me the position. I think I thought about it for a night, called them back, accepted. And then two weeks later, I packed up my car and drove down to South Carolina. First time I'd ever been to either Carolina was when I moved to South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how it worked for me too. Several. Yeah, as one does. Yeah. And now by the time this comes out, I'll be gone. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Things move on. Uh, so as a copywriter, that that meant that you were doing some writing for the of the pipe descriptions and and stuff like that. Yep. So way back when in 2018, uh, the copywriter position was primarily writing pipe descriptions. Well, any description, you know, tampers, lighters, yeah. etc. But the pipes um, took up most of the time because the pipe you see is the pipe you get. Um, but we were also doing, we handled our email newsletters a little bit differently. And this was before we had devoted a lot of time and energy into what is now our daily reader. So before the daily reader, every Monday, Thursday email that we sent out had some sort of story. Yeah. It could be fiction. It could be historical. It, it could be whatever. That's what introduced the, the newsletter. Um, so I would, I was, involved in writing those and then once we switched to the daily reader um i was a contributor to that and yeah then over over the past five years almost six years now i went from copywriter to leading the copywriting team and then i was the manager of the merchandising department which encompasses the copywriters the photographers and the data entry specialists and then most recently I've transitioned to pipe manager. So, so they finally, they finally realized that you don't know what you're doing with writing and said, well, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They're like, okay, we finally can get this guy off of pen and paper and, and get him into just yeah. dealing with pipes. Uh, if you go back to like 2000, late 2009 or 2010, there might be one or two of those uh, newsletter intros that have my byline on them. I will yep. warn you, I think about 40% of the actual words that were printed were mine. The other 60% <laughs> were the edits that it took to get my words to make sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember one of the earliest newsletter intros that I wrote. It, it was some stupid fiction story. I, I don't know. It went through 12 revisions, though, like 12 <laughs> revision stages. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was ready to to just burn it, but I think we eventually did did publish it out. But yeah, yeah. And, and real quick because uh, I, I I know a lot of a lot of people know that each each individual pipe is photographed and measured and put up on the website, and then each individual pipe also has a corresponding description where a writer is actually looking at the pipe itself and getting yeah, yeah and you're. I mean, you're actually talking about that specific pipe, not just a Peterson 999 again. It's that one sure. in front of you. Yeah, and it, there are some different standards based on that. Yeah. Like a, a Peterson 999 in a certain finish will have a similar description as the same 999 in the same finish. Um, but what I really love about our description writing process is how all encompassing it is like everything you'd want to know about the 999 any sort of historical info 
historical info on the system pipe, um, if it's a system shape, like you're going to find that in a smoking pipes description. Um, and then for artisan pipes, for handmade pipes, that you're dealing with a certain level of artistry and stuff like that, it becomes more art criticism, if you will, you know, talking about these lines are harmonizing with something like it's talking about the pipe as a composition. Right. And I think that that makes it makes our descriptions one really, really good and also distinctive and, and unique and helps um, inform the customer, not just yeah. say what the pipe is. It, it does help take the pipe off of a screen and put it in your hand yeah. virtually and give you ideas of what you're looking at. Um, mm -hmm. but you're also, you're still writing some stuff for the daily reader occasionally. <laughs> I see your name pop yeah, up. Yeah. It, it's kind of dependent upon when, I mean, when an idea presents itself to me, um, or if, if we're doing an interview about a pipe maker, Chuck does a lot of those for sure. But, but I have done and will continue to do some of them. If it's someone that I am like fostering a relationship with. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of just when, when the fancy strikes or when we need yeah. something, I also write all of the pipe maker bios on the website. So when we have a new pipe maker added to the website, um, I'm responsible for writing a bio of them as well as then updating old bios. I've updated some this past year <laughs> that <laughs> maybe hadn't been touched in five plus years and it was still, the language was a bit outdated. I'll put it that way. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you talk about a pipe maker that's got young kids and is working exactly. you know, full time, and then all of a sudden the kids are graduating from college, yeah, time to update. Um, yeah, or or talking about how someone's a up and coming American pipe maker, and now they've been carving pipes for ten years. It's probably time to stop talking yeah. about them as up and coming. <laughs> can you uh, can you let us in a little bit on? what you look at before you bring before you bring a pipe maker onto smoking pipes brand new first time ever virgin pipe maker sure one of the first couple questions i ask them is you know what is their annual production mm -hmm. and um, obviously their history, you know, how long have they been making pipes? Um, did they study under anyone? And I'm talking like artisans here, like right. handmade yeah, pipes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how, how did they learn how to make pipes? Who have they studied under? Um, do they sell through any other retailers? Um, and kind of just getting a baseline of where they're at. And, you know, if, if someone's only making 12 pipes a year because they're part-time or something like that, that's not very economical for either us or them as an artisan to sell through a retailer. Um, but you know, if, if someone's production number numbers make sense to go the retail wholesale route, then, then that's a box basically to check off. But honestly, nothing really goes as far as seeing their pipes in person. That's a big reason why I'm, I'm going to as many pipe shows as possible yeah. to, quote unquote, scout new talent, if you will, <laughs> um, you know, see, see who else is out there because I mean, I mean, I, I search on Instagram and it's great seeing you and, and people like Jay Furman and stuff. Yeah. I, I learn a lot about new pipe, 
pipe makers through fellow pipe smokers and friends on social media. But seeing their pipes in person is is arguably the only way. And when it comes to international carvers, that's 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 difficult. And so you do have to kind of weigh the options. But you know, we're looking for for engineering consistencies and and construction quality. You know, are are all of the foundational pieces there and then shape shaping will improve and shaping is subjective in a lot of ways and so that that you know takes less of a precedent than the actual engineering and the craftsmanship is this a good pipe and is this something that we as smoking pipes want to put our name behind do you when you talk to a pipe maker are you talking about it and you're we i mean you mentioned you know their production are you asking them to guarantee you like a certain amount of pipes per year, like eight or 12 that you can put on the website, like two or three times a year? Yes and no. It, it's kind of dependent for each person. Um, there are some people that, that they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm only gonna, it all depends on what percentage of their production right. too. Um, like someone like, Taiichi Goto, yeah. <laughs> who only makes, you know, maybe you can count on on two hands how many pipes he makes a year. You know, we're not going to say, hey, you need to give us yeah, yeah, 75% of those or something uh, like that. Uh, that's unfair because Goto's been a master for 20 plus years now. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah but- no, to, to, yeah, to the, the spirit of your question, um, we... We have found that the more regularly we showcase a pipe maker's work on smoking pipes, the more inclined people are to buy those pipes because right. there's you're seeing this person in more times every month or so. Um, rather than we can put up your pipes in January, but then we don't get pipes from you until August. That's difficult to keep you on people's minds, keep yeah. you on collectors' minds, and inform collectors about you. So typically, we say bare minimum two, three pipes a month. It would be a goal. Um, obviously, we work with people. Stuff changes. People move. People have workshop mishaps, and so it's not a hard and fast contract that that we make <laughs> anyone sign. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely a gentleman's arrangement, and, and we're all people and everyone's as understanding as possible but yeah three pipes a month is great we can put those three pipes each month that that covers us for for 12 12 months out of the year some something like that is there a maximum amount of pipe makers that you guys want to represent on the website and i'm just talking about the artists and pipes now yeah that's honestly not a conversation i've been a part of and i don't think we have a limit um um, so now we're entering, you know, second and sometimes third generation of pipe makers. So when when a pipe maker no longer is making pipes, then we have younger pipe makers that are stepping up and kind of filling those gaps, so to speak. So we're we're always interested in in bringing on new new pipe makers, um, regardless of whether they've been doing it for three years or they've been doing it for twenty years. Um, we we we're always interested in in keeping things fresh and being as, as broad and all encompassing as possible. I heard a rumor that there might be a fourth generation Iverson pipe maker coming out in the, this year. So uh, I have heard similar rumors. I've not heard a time frame, but uh, this yeah. year would be super exciting. Yeah. And if Jeff Grasick is listening, uh, Jeff, you're no longer <laughs> the young kid on the block anymore. So there's new ones coming right. up. 
Um, with the brands, I would I would imagine then it's also it's a little bit more contractual when you're talking to them and saying, you know, look, if we're gonna give you if we're gonna give you a slot, you got to give us X amount of pipes and you know and and it's more calculated, yeah, that, more business. Hundred percent. Yeah, when we're dealing with individual artisans, it's very relational. It's you know, yeah, we're not signing a contract. It's it's very much. I mean, we're also all friends yeah. with pipe makers. Like I hang out with with pipe makers. Just call them on the phone, and we talk like we're friends um, because we are friends. And with with businesses, it's a little bit different, um, you know, especially if someone has a distributor, then we're dealing with the distributor and we're not even really dealing with the brand itself. Um, but even then it's, I don't know, I'm sure you've experienced this too. And most people in the industry would agree with me that as far as industries go, the pipe making, pipe selling, pipe buying industry is incredibly casual and incredibly <laughs> friendly. They're, there's no corporate backstabbing stuff. Like, I don't know. It's, we're very easygoing and we get along with most other people in the industry as well. So even if I'm dealing with a distributor, like I get along well with their representative, we shoot the shit for a couple minutes before we get into actually buying the pipes. And it's good to see them at trade shows and it's all, it's all love, but we do also have to say like, Hey, could really use some more pipes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when are you like come on we also have to have to keep a business going here yeah hey so it, it's a weird give and take hey hey brevia don't forget about us yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have to you, you do have to poke at them occasionally um. but but on on that note though is it's it's you know the the supply chain goes so far that typically if if a brand is not getting us pipes very rarely do we have to have the conversation of, hey, you're not getting us pipes because we know you're giving them all to this other yeah. retailer or something. Very rarely is that the case, if ever. Instead, it's like, well, briars in the short supply. So we don't have the briar to make the quantities that we used to. Or we're waiting for our acrylic stem supplier in Italy to get us this shipment that we've had ordered for months. And so it's usually some supply chain backup and not because yeah. they are just screwing us or something like that. And, and can we clear the air that just because you are in a company that's related to the same company that has, that imports Peterson and Savinelli into the U S that, uh, true. It doesn't get to go and take first pick of everything. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> 100%. Um, yeah, I also, I also enjoy buying pipes from artisans individually too. So it's, there's, I've heard rumors or accusations, I guess, that all of us pipe smokers at Smoking Pipes, you know, we're just buying up all the good stuff um, <laughs> before it goes to the website. And I, I can assure you that is, that is not, my, my collection would be so much better if we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be so broke. And I'd also be broke. Yes. I'd also be broke. <laughs> you'd be homeless, but what a heck a set of straight grains you'd have. <laughs> yeah. I also don't think we'd be allowed to, like, I don't know if Nana Everson sent us in some pipes and I was like, Shane, I really want to buy that. Let's just pretend I could afford it. But I'd be like, Shane, I, I really want to buy that. He'd probably be like, no, I've got five other customers that have dibs on this. Like you're, you're not in the line. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't fire the customers, but I can fire you for bugging me. Exactly. So go away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, and that's the other thing is so part of you know when you're at the pipe shows and you're out uh, when you're out you know scouting for new talent, you're also talking to your existing pipe makers that you guys represent, uh, and you don't get first pick of the pipes at the pipe shows. No, and that's that's something I'm I'm still kind of learning the the dance of, if you will. Um, like I said, I I've been in this position now just about just a little over six months, so mm-hmm. I'm still pretty fresh at it, especially when it comes to doing it at the pipe shows. Um, but yeah, there's there's kind of a a gentleman's agreement that like you know if pipe show starts on Saturday, I'm not going to someone's table immediately and being like, I want all of these dibs like we want pipe makers to be successful too and to be able to sell one of their pipes at at full price that's great that that's good for the industry that's good for the community um and then typically the last day of the show an hour or two before the end of the show i usually make a round and see what's left on people's tables and um, I might call dibs then. And if they're like, if, if that specific pipe maker wants to wait until the end of the show, then I'll be like, Hey, I want dibs on this. If it doesn't sell, don't go sell it to another retailer or something like that. Um, so th- there's some of that, but it's, yeah. it's typically, typically not much. What do you guys have coming up for uh, international pipe smoking day? You want to leak anything or is it all still top secret or it do you not either- know at all? <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say. So when I was when I was the merchandising manager, I was way more privy to releases because my my team was responsible for getting them on the website. So I was way way more um, in tune with with what we were putting up and when. I can also say, you know, by the time this comes out, it will be much closer to International Pipe Smoking Day. But as we're recording, we have not. Our plans are not set in stone. I'll put it that way. So there's likely to be a lot of changes, but we'll we'll do the the general sale that we always do for IPSD, um, and there might be a release or so coming up around that time, or what? maybe the week after. If you're into stuff made by a certain American pipe tobacco company, uh oh. Uh- <clears throat> I don't know. Ooh. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, in theory. Yeah. And you do not do any of the buying for the tobacco or the accessories. So I can't complain to you about not finding my Chinese, my plastic pipe tampers and buying them for China <laughs> for me. So, yeah, correct. I'm, I'm, I'm not your guy, but I could maybe talk to the guy. Yeah. You know, a guy that might know a guy. Exactly. All right. Perfect. Uh, true it we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready let's do it what is your favorite pipe (sighs) right now (laughs) what artisan friend are you going to make happy and how many are you going to piss off (laughs) yeah no uh i'll answer honestly and anyone can come at me i'll show them the pipe and They'll just have to concede. No, it's probably a, a bent apple, sorry, a bent egg with silver that I got from Aperbot at the Las Vegas Pipe Show last year. You know, recency bias for sure, but it's yeah. also phenomenal smoker. And I love Abe's work and the silver work is super intricate and really, really impressive. So that's what I've been gravita- gravitating toward most recently. And with Abe, you don't have to worry about a long conversation. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can get, I can get him talking. Okay. I think, I think we've, we've developed that rapport, but if you don't <laughs> want to, then yeah, he's yeah. totally game not to talk to you for very long. What is your favorite tobacco? I just opened for the new year. I opened a tin of McConnell Scottish flake from 2008. Mm. So that would be a desert Island tobacco. Um, but generally speaking, I actually really like Sun Bear from Cornell and Deal. Okay. I've stocked up on that over the releases, and that's definitely my favorite that Jeremy has blended, Sun Bear. What is your favorite drink? Um, gin and tonic. If we're talking adult beverage, if we're talking not adult beverage, I, I'm just a boring water guy. I don't drink pop. I don't, I don't really drink, drink. Gatorade or, or stuff like that. Water. I'm going to say water and gin and tonic if I'm doing adults beverages. Do you have a specific gin that you like? Not really. Um, I'll take whatever they've got, but I do enjoy Hendrix. If they have it, that is one I gravitate toward. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Movie. And then finally... In your uh, in your five and a half, uh, going on six years now of uh, being in the industry, any favorite pipe smoking related memories? Honestly, probably my first pipe show, which was Chicago 2019, the last year of Pheasant Run. Yeah. Um, for me, that was really, really significant because I had been writing about all of these pipe makers and pipe brands as a copywriter. Before then, I was a, a customer and a, a collector, and I had read about them. You know, I'd, I'd heard of Tom Elting, I'd heard of Jeff Grasick, you know, but I, 2019 Chicago show was the first time I got to meet all of these people and put names to faces and actually, you know, have conversations with them. So that was maybe the most significant for me. And it's also become more significant being the last show at pheasant run yeah. and so having having been able to experience what the pheasant run show was like was has become more and more impactful as the years have gone on well that also had to be kind of special for you to be picked from the copywriting team and yeah. relatively young at the copywriting team to come to a pipe show with smoking pipes yeah it was also just a, a an honor and kind of a, a vote of confidence from from Shane and, and others that, you know, one of the reasons I went was to write a blog post on the show, but then also I had been trained to evaluate estate pipes, ah. which obviously Adam Davidson does the bulk of those on a day-to-day -day basis and Dana Mahaney as well. Um, but at a show, you know, Adam is a pipe maker. He's not going to be evaluating estate pipes at a show. Yeah. Um, so we need other people to fill in at pipe shows. And I had, I had just been trained to do that. So that was, that was one of the feathers in my cap that made me, made me an attractive person to bring to a pipe show. Um, so. All right. Do make sure that you're reading the, uh, the daily reader over on smoking pipes. I guess there's like two or three different posts a week and there's videos and all kinds of cool stuff in there. And the videos aren't on YouTube anymore, so the only way you can get to them is through uh, through Smoking Pipes Daily Reader, right? Yep. Subscribe to the Daily Reader and check out all the content there. We yeah we we 
update it every Sunday afternoon with videos and written posts. And there's a little cartoon that gets updated every week. Um, got a bunch of great writers. You know, Chuck Stanion has been our lead writer and editor for years now, and he always has the most amazing pieces. Um, we've also hired some some new to Smoking Pipes folks, um, Phil and Kayla, and they're putting out great work as well. Um, and yeah, occasionally you might see my name and you can decide for yourself if it's great work or not, but uh, do check it out and check out our mystery review videos that are on the Daily Reader as well. Those are a lot of fun. And yeah, not on YouTube anymore, but we're still here. Truett, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for uh, thanks for torturing me twice a week with um, with really interesting pipes that I want to buy, but I can't. And uh, yeah, see you're you welcome. Then. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. It, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And yeah, thanks for the podcast. And I look forward to listening to the other episodes in 2024. And we'll be back in just a minute. Hi. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line, to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And, uh, you know, obviously follow the Daily Reader. And if you've ever bought a pipe from uh, smokingpipes.com in the past couple of years, well, obviously you can thank Truett for that. All right, for music. Uh, so this email came in a while ago from Scott. And Scott said, something to keep in your pocket. Well, guess what? Time to get it out of my pocket. It's... Uh, it's a group called uh, Galt, G-A-L-T, McDermott, who I believe is an uh, individual. Uh, it's Galt McDermott and his mid-Manhattan rhythm section. And this is from 1966, I believe. Uh, it's called Coffee Cold.
you put uh, coffee in the title of a song and you got me. So enjoyed that. Thank you again to Scott for sending that in. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. And remember, comments or questions can be emailed directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you could post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page at pipesmagazine.com, which normally I would read those, but since we're pre-recorded, I've got a couple to get caught up on, and this one goes back to December 20th from Guy. And Guy writes, uh, Hello, Brian and fellow brothers and sisters of the Briar. I listened to your recent discussion with Chuck Stanion, and I get his quiet reminiscing with a pipe over Christmas. Pipe time for me is uh, pipe time for me often is simply sitting with my thoughts and observing goings on around me, which occasionally is a completely new environment as it is right now. I'm in Barcelona, and I've just finished a pipe of Condor Ready rubbed while sitting on the third floor balcony of an apartment building where I'm staying. I'm enjoying the unfolding scene of daily life below me in the streets. The weather is calm, a little cool, but I have no no wind to contend with, which is normally the case where I live in windswept Scotland. It's just the simple pleasure of sitting down with a pipe and contemplating life around me. On a related note, here in Barcelona, a person is free to enjoy their pipe pretty much anywhere outside and covered space is often provided by tapas bars for people to enjoy food, a drink, and a smoke. There are also tobacco stores around, many of which have a modest selection of pipe tobacco at a very fair price. I paid around 5 euros for a 50-gram pouch of Condor. Uh, There are, of course, cigars to be enjoyed, too. It's a far cry from the UK or even worse, Australia, where the prices of pipe tobacco are quite high. It seems to me that... Here in Barcelona, the people enjoy the company of each other. It is a very sociable and communal place, and there is space for the smoker. Indeed, it seems to be a place of live and let live. So as we move into the new year, I wish to extend to fellow brothers and sisters of the Briar a peaceful new year and many enjoyable moments in which you can enjoy your pipe. All the best, Guy. Doesn't that sound great? Maybe we should all move to Spain. Um, And then (laughs) lastly, and secondly... Uh, Selby writes, or C. Selby writes, Hi, Brian. I've been listening to your show for a while. Newish smoker, two to three years. I like the room notes of aromatics, but have a hard time distinguishing flavors. Any ideas on tobacco that are easily distinguishable? My go-to is 1Q. All right, so here's the thing. Um, In the past couple of years, because of laws in Europe and Canada, uh, several companies have had to back down the flavors so that you can't have a distinguishable flavor and that makes it acceptable for sale in europe in particular Uh, so you're not going to get a real distinct flavor out of 1q per se or bca or in most of the aromatics you're you're going to get a subtle hint of it and if you're not picking it up that's okay as long as you enjoy the taste that you are getting and you enjoy the aroma that you are getting, don't worry about it. Uh, the other thing is, is you know, you may not be a super taster like some of these fancy people that say, "Oh, I got uh, you know peach peach snops followed by the essence of uh, freshly mowed hay and a hint of cinnamon." Um, I don't get all that either. I I just don't get it. I you know I either get sweet or dry or sour or sometimes spicy if I'm lucky. You know, I basically get it's good or I don't like it. <laughs> That's what I get. 
Um, you may want to try if you if you want to dig into some more directly distinguishable flavors. Uh, try some of the American-made aromatics. Uh, Cornell and Deal's got a bunch. Sutliff has a bunch. They're made here in the U.S. for the U.S. market, so they can have a little bit more distinguishable flavors on them. All right, and don't sweat it if you don't pick up you know bananas or figs or whatever or if it tastes like raisins don't worry about it just sit back and enjoy it all right uh, and then just a reminder please if you have a pipe event a pipe show or a pipe gathering that's open to the public uh, pipesmagazine.com on the forums there's an event section there you can post it there for free uh, you can also send your information to Kevin at PipesMagazine.com, and he'll put it on the uh, Pipe Shows listing on Pipes Magazine. That's all free to help you promote your event and get more people to come out to a pipe show or a pipe event this year. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at PipesMagazine.com, and rant time is coming up next. We have arrived at 155. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been authentically crafting corn cob pipes continually for 155 years. To celebrate, we're hosting a 155th anniversary celebration on Saturday, September 28, 2024. There will be ticketed working plant tours, an exhibit on the corn cob pipe industry by Skillet Fork Pipe Museum, a live podcast of the Gray Woody Show, a smoking tent for your enjoyment, and so much more. The 155th anniversary celebration will be held in conjunction with downtown Washington's Fall Festival of the Arts and Crafts with food, beverages, live music, and over 100 vendors. Visit our Facebook page at Cool Smoking Pipes for fun event updates and more information. Missouri Meerschaum Company, since 1869. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collectors Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Buy dates are BS. That's my new song. Yeah, you like that? Best buy dates are BS. Uh, best buy dates, and th this came this came up again in my little uh, in my little worried mind because we were cleaning out the uh, you know cleaning out the kitchen, getting ready for the move, and we're going through stuff. And then uh, we started to run a little low on coffee, so I ordered uh, through Amazon. I ordered some coffee pods for our K cup machines, just you know clean and simple. You know we just need to just need to get us through to to the move all right so i order some lavaza dark roast coffee pods and i'm looking at them and going this is a all right, pretty good deal i so i was worried because they were on sale i said wait you know maybe the bet maybe they're going to be bad 
you know, or they're getting close to out of date. And I looked at the Best Buy date, and of course, we bought these in January, and January of 2024, and the Best Buy date is August of 2025. Well, first of all, let me tell you, as a self-proclaimed coffee snob, there is no way, no way whatsoever that you want to drink a coffee that's been in a K-cup pod for that long. No way. August? No, not uh, not another 18 months in that pod. No, it's not going to be any good. So I started looking at some of, some of the other Best Buy dates, and of course there's Best Buy dates on bottled water. Yeah, right. Especially a glass bottle of water, um, which is just kind of ridiculous. Uh, but there's Best Buy dates on everything. And I think sometimes with uh, with like bread and, you know, you know, fresh stuff that can go stale kind of quick, I think they do the Best Buy dates, you know, so that you don't uh, so that you you know, so that you eat it within a week of getting it. And you don't just go, you know, you don't think it's going to be good forever. But some of these Best Buy dates are really just quite ridiculous and kind of silly and stupid all at the same time. But there's no way I'm going to drink coffee that's been ground and put into a coffee pod, I don't know, <laughs> for two years. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Anyway, Best Buy dates are BS. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> um, just make sure and follow the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook and uh, follow the Vegas Pipe Show on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your friends and enemies and families and uh, hated friends and all that stuff. And uh, keep spreading the good word and leave ratings and reviews where you can. Those are much appreciated. Uh, thank you very much to Truett for taking time out of his day to sit down with me. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather That's the way I like to get spanked. What do you mean the mic is still on?